All right. Well, good afternoon, City Bible Church, and um, happy Mother's Day, all you mothers. Yeah, it's beautiful to see you guys here today. Um, we are uh, here to celebrate mothers and to remember mothers. Uh, you, my mother passed away last September. And uh, for those of us that are hoping to be mothers, we're, um, there's a lot to look forward to and a lot to commit our lives to in honoring the Lord, as, uh, if the Lord graces us with that. And so today, in, uh, in honor of Mother's Day, we're going to be looking at uh, just a glorious passage in Scripture on the Proverbs 31 woman from Proverbs chapter 31. And um, throughout the book of Proverbs, uh, women are talked about as beautiful women, women of discretion, women who are gracious, women who are wise. And the Proverbs 31 woman really encompasses all of that beauty, discretion, graciousness, and wisdom. And, uh, and so it's a really important um, passage that we're going to look for and invite you to turn to Proverbs 31, verse 10 through 31. And as you're turning there, Proverbs 31 as a whole chapter is really advice that a mother is giving to King Lemuel. King Lemuel. And it says that right at the beginning uh, in verse 1. The words of King Lemuel, an oracle that his mother taught him. So uh, this is uh, what his mother taught him. And King Lemuel is thought to be King Solomon, actually. And so the first nine verses talk about the mother's advice, uh, how to be a wise king, a compassionate king, a just, sober king. And in verse 10 through 31, we get advice on um, the type of woman that God, uh, that honors God, that the Lord has sanctified. This is the type of woman that in our modern day has come to know Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit has produced the fruit of the Spirit in that woman so that she is a godly woman, she is a godly wife, and she is a godly mother. And so in this passage, it's really God's vision for a Christ-honoring, sanctified woman. Um. This is very important because women can uh, have an enormous impact, an enormous influence on a marriage. Um, I don't know any, any man who has ever succeeded uh, and being married to a woman that hasn't had a good woman that has journeyed with him and supported him as men support um, their wives as well. Women can have a tremendous impact on the life of a child. I mean, I can't think of any, really any higher honor than to raise up, to bring a child into this life, to raise them up in godly ways and see them walk with the Lord all the days of their life. And um, they say that men in a marriage are there to protect and provide for women. But women in a marriage are there to civilize men. And I think in some ways, we live in a time that is incredibly uncivilized in our world. We would all agree in that. When we look at society, we live in just an uncivilized society today. And I think as women can civilize men in a marriage, I think women can play a large role um, through their wisdom and compassion and holiness to be a civilizing force in society. 
And so the Proverbs 31 woman is a wonderful example for us to, um, to look at. And so um, let's stand together and we'll read God's word. We don't have it on the screen, but I encourage you to follow along in your Bibles. We're going to look at uh, verse 10 to verse 31 in chapter 31 of the book of Proverbs. King Lemuel says in verse 10, An excellent wife who can find. She is far more precious than jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good, not harm, all the days of her life. She seeks wool and flax and works with willing hands. She is like the ships of the merchant. She brings her food from afar. She rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household and portions for her maidens. She considers a field and buys it. With the fruit of her hands, she plants a vineyard. She dresses herself with strength and makes her arms strong. She perceives that her merchandise is profitable. Her lamp does not go out at night. She puts her hands to the distaff and her hands hold the spindle. She opens her hand to the poor and reaches out her hands to the needy. She is not afraid of snow for her household, for all her household are clothed in scarlet. She makes bed coverings for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them. She delivers sashes to the merchant. Strength and dignity are her clothing. She laughs at the time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceptive and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her the fruit of her hands and let her works praise her in the gates. Let's pray together. And that is our prayer, Lord, this morning for uh, the women of City Bible Church, that uh, they would be women who fear the Lord with all the pressures to base their lives off worldly charm and fleeting beauty. Lord, we pray that um, their lives would honor you in their own personal walks, with their marriage, with their uh, parenting of their children. May uh, they be deserving of high honor before you and in the eyes of the church. And we pray that you continue to bless, provide, protect, strengthen, sanctify, and guide the women of City Bible Church to those ends. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Go ahead and have a seat. Thank you. And, and so before we get into this passage, and I'm, I'm going to briefly look at five aspects of the Proverbs 31 woman. In a few moments, we're going to look at five aspects from these uh, 21, 22 verses here. Before we look at those five aspects, um, I want to raise uh, three considerations, three reflections on, on how we are to look at the Proverbs 31 woman before we get into the passage. Now, this is a woman who fears the Lord, who knows the Lord in our modern day. This would be a woman who has given her life to follow Jesus Christ. And um, she's married. She has children. So I want to give three reflections on the Proverbs 31 woman in terms of how we should be looking at her before we get into this. Number one, first reflection. 
Uh, as we look at the Proverbs 31 woman, uh, this is a godly woman, a godly wife, a godly mother. And I think as we look at her, we want to keep two things in mind. First is, as we, as we look at these five um, uh, reflections on her, we want to look at how affirming uh, she is and her life is of really the women in our own lives. You know, there are many of you women who are living God-honoring lives. And as we go through this passage, you should take this and say, this is an affirmation of the good work that the Lord is doing in my life. And this is a, this is a praise. This is an affirmation. I'm on the right track. And those of us who support them, whether it's in our families or in our church, we also want to affirm them and say, you know, I see this in you. This is very, very good according to the Lord and and in our eyes. So we want to affirm that. And secondly, we want to um, ask our, we want to let the Proverbs 31 kind of examine our lives and say, you know, if this is a God honoring woman, um, how, how can she encourage me? maybe even convict me to to strive for the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Throughout this passage, in these 22 verses, I'll summarize. Uh, the Proverbs 31 woman is talked about in this passage as a woman of noble character, as a woman that's rare like rubies. She's talked about as a woman whose husband has full confidence in her. She's a hard worker. She's a successful businesswoman. She is a woman who helps the poor. She is a woman who um, has a well-run home. Her children praise her. The words strength, dignity, and wisdom characterize her in this passage. She is talked about by her husband as a woman who surpasses all other women. And wouldn't you like to hear that from your husband on a regular basis, right? She's a woman who praises the Lord. She's a woman who is worthy of honor at the city gates. And uh, so this is a woman that can really encourage us to affirm that we are on the right track for those of you that are women, but also ask us to, how do we strive forward towards this? Um, Now, as a man, um, for most of my life, I would look at this passage and uh, whether I would read it or I'd hear someone preach on it, and I would immediately think that women reading this passage would think... What a wonderful woman. This woman is like this perfect superwoman. She makes me aspire to be like her. I'm not, I fall short according to this superwoman, but that just encourages me all the more in in that way. And I think there's a lot of women who look at her uh, like that. But I remember talking to um, a a woman who's much older in the faith than me. And I, I, I had mentioned to her after church one time, I said, so when you look at the Proverbs 31 woman, you must be really inspired by her, right? And uh, this is a woman who has kids and grandkids, and she said, actually, no, I, I don't like that woman very much. I'm like, what? And she goes, yeah, she makes me feel too guilty about my own life. You know, I, I, she's just this perfect woman. And then I look at my life of how short I fall. And so I don't really like her that much, even though I admire her. Um, but I think that, uh, we don't primarily want to look at her that way, right? We want to say um, there are many aspects of her that um, 
that are present in, in the lives of the women that we have here. So that's number one. We want to affirm and strive. Number two, when we look at the Proverbs 31 woman, uh, we also want to contrast her with the vision that the world puts before women about what type of woman that they should become. We want to contrast the godly vision of a godly woman in this passage against the fallen, broken, dark, uh, God-dishonoring vision that the world puts before women and even Christian women of who they should become. And we want to contrast that. Uh, certainly in, in uh, Solomon's time, you know, he's writing this thousands of years ago. And when you look throughout the book of Proverbs earlier, the Proverbs 31 woman, this godly woman, is contrasted against different types of women in the book of Proverbs thousands of years ago. So Solomon's doing that himself. Uh, she is contrasted against the adulterous and wayward woman. The Proverbs talk about that there are some women who are adulterous women, who lead men astray, wayward. Uh, away from their marriage, away from their um, God-honoring lives. And these adulterous, wayward women, the book of Proverbs says, use smooth and seductive words to call out to undiscerning young men to get them to fall away from the Lord and into sin. So there is the adulterous and wayward woman. Another woman that Proverbs 30, uh, that is contrasted with the Proverbs 31 woman is the foolish and unruly woman. The foolish and unruly woman. This is a woman that uh, is talked about with, that has nothing, knows nothing of value. She's very, um, uh, just very obnoxious. She is a woman who um, lures men into uh, her presence, and it says that her guests are the dead. And when you come around women that are truly foolish and truly unruly, uh, she has a whole throng of men that have perished in her presence. And thirdly, there's a third major woman that is talked about in contrast in the book of Proverbs, and that is the quarrelsome, nagging woman. The quarrelsome, nagging woman. And uh, the Proverbs have some very vivid metaphors. It says that it's better to live in a desert than to live with a quarrelsome, nagging woman. That's not my words. It's the words of the Bible, right? Um, it says it's better to live in the attic of a house in a separate room while you're living in the attic than to live with a quarrelsome, nagging wife. It says, again, that a quarrelsome, nagging wife is like a leak of a roof that doesn't stop leaking while there's a rainstorm. Okay, now I know none of you women fall under that category, right? But those other women out there. And so there is this contrast between this Proverbs 31 woman and the world's vision of a woman. But even today, even today, uh, what are some of the visions? What are some of the um, archetypes? What are some of the um, uh, examples that the world puts before women here in the 21st century about who they should become, even put before Christian women. 
we see the world putting before women, our women saying, uh, here's one vision of a woman. Uh, don't value marriage. Don't value bringing children into this world and raising godly children. That's one vision that is put before you. You know, live your dreams, live your career. Marriage, it's okay for some. Children, it's okay for some. But it's not really this, this um, goal that you sh- should have, a God-earning goal you should have for your life. Now, I know not all women will get married or have children. I understand that. Uh, but the degree to which marriage and motherhood has been put down in our society is just tragic. Another vision of um, women and who they should be that the world puts before us is the overscheduled woman who outsources the activities of her children to others to such a degree to where she's constantly exhausted. Um, you know, I mean, this is rampant right here in in, uh, in Southern California, right? How many mothers do you know where they're constantly saying, "I'm so exhausted, I'm so overscheduled"? I mean, uh, we I was doing a nature hike with Lorraine yesterday. Well, uh, Darcy Keene and Ethan were at acting class, and Lorraine was saying how in one of her homeschooling groups, one of the homeschooling mothers came up to her recently and came up to Lorraine. This this woman has four daughters. And she came up to Lane saying, saying, how do you do it with your kids? I need help. I'm drowning. Okay. And, and Lorraine's like, well, how, how can I help? She goes, I just, I have no time to myself, my husband. And Lorraine's, well, tell me about your schedule. So she told Lorraine the schedule of one of her children, just one of her daughters. And she had her daughter in four things every week. And her daughter was doing either music or, um, or uh, some kind of sport or some kind of, uh, you know, ballet or whatever that was. And every day it was like three or four hour commitment after school. And the mother's driving that one child out of four. That's just one of them. Okay. And Lorraine was sitting there going, I wouldn't do, I would do one of those things, not all four. And you realize that one of the visions that the world has put before mothers today is to be so overscheduled with childhood commitments that are extracurricular activities that we don't realize that um, being overscheduled is a form of spiritual, vi- spiritual violence against the souls of women. And that's why they're so exhausted and don't have time for many of them. Things, Lord. Now, it's not to say that you can't have your kids in a lot of activities. That's nice and stuff. But there is an aspect where we have taken it overboard as a society. Another vision that the world puts before women today is that you must compete with men. You must hate men. In fact, any man that is in a position of authority over you is automatically either a bully or a tyrant. Now, certainly there are men out there who are in positions of authority and they have been bullies and they have been tyrants against women. We can all think of examples on that. So it's not to say that doesn't exist, but we are living in such a time to where Men are in such question, men who have authority or authority over women in such way that there is this almost this automatic assumption that you must be bad if you have authority. There is a a worldly view of women that women should love effeminate men, men who are not men, men who act more like women, and that women should be attracted to that. 
um, in our world uh, that uh, is a world of the bachelor, the bachelorette, the real celebrity wives, television shows, um, movies and TVs where shows where uh, where women are portrayed as I don't even know what it's called with their own male version of a harem. Right. And that's the vision that's put before women today of what this dream life can look like. We see women, divine feminine archetypes held up in our society, in our movies, in our TV shows, that the woman is the one who is the ultimate heroine above all the men to save the world. Now, women can do heroic things. I'm not saying they can't. But there is this rash of themes in pop culture that says women are ultimately much more fitted to save the day in society where men are playing a supportive role. And women are also told that they are to identify themselves themselves specifically as a man, as androgynous. Women are told that uh, one of the main goals for your life is to be popular on social media, a social media influencer. And so is it any wonder that women are confused about who they should be? Is it any wonder when you look at all of that, um, that circus of uh, visions of who a woman is supposed to be that are put before women, even Christian women, that women are like, well, I, I, I don't know who God, what's a God-honoring life. And so we just get swayed back and forth, many women. And that's really unfortunate. It's tragic. Lastly, before we get into the passage, um, I want to mention one more thing uh, of how we should look at the Proverbs 31 woman. And this specifically has to do with men. With men. Because a lot of times we look at the Proverbs 31 woman and we say, okay, well, these women should aspire to this and we should celebrate, you know, should celebrate their efforts. But I think one of the reasons why um, this is not lived out to the degree it should be in the lives of women, specifically Christian women, is because the men often don't value the same things that God values in a woman as it's laid out here. And we men are part of the problem. You see, if men do not praise women for the godly characteristics that are found in here, like in the Proverbs 31 woman, if Christian men are saying, this is great, pastor, but in reality, what I am looking for has far more to do with my own personal criteria or the criteria of the world you know, the, the worldly charming character or the beauty that's fleeting, then we men are part of the problem. And so we don't want to discourage the women from pursuing holiness. Now, it's not to say that if you're a man, you can't pursue the right thing, you know, your own personal, like I, I want a woman with a sense of humor or, you know, likes my hobbies. But, um, but I think we men need to be pursuing and encouraging the right things. All right, so with that, I want to point out briefly five aspects of the Proverbs 31 woman here. And uh, we want to both affirm and strive towards this in contrast as well. All right, so number one, in verse 11 and 12, uh, actually verse 10, in verse 10, it starts off by saying, an excellent wife who can find, she's far more precious than jewels. And so this is a woman who is considered to be excellent. This is a woman of noble character, verse 10. And so everything else that we're 
about to talk about, these five characteristics, all fall under this theme. A woman who is excellent, who is more precious than jewels. First, uh, if when you look in verse 11 and verse 12, first characteristic we want to look at this morning of Proverbs 31 woman is that her husband trusts in her. Her husband has full confidence in her. And the reason why he has confidence in her is verse 12. She does him good, not harm, all the days of her life. She does him good, not harm, all the days of her life. Okay. Now, one of the marks of a godly woman is when you look at the marriage, does the husband have full confidence in the wife? Now, it's very um, easy to say, well, the woman would have full confidence in the husband if only the husband was more of this, 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 and the. And if the husband was more like that, then I could have more confidence in him. So I'm waiting on you, husband, to be a certain way so that I can then go do, go do good for you. And what's interesting about this is that there's no sense of that in the passage. Yes, men have responsibility to do good for their wives. We all understand that. But there is really a sense here that the reason why the husband has confidence in his wife is what? Is because she does good towards him. And because he looks at her and says, you're not here to do me harm. Now you say, well, what do you mean doing harm? I mean, is my husband concerned that I'm going to pull a baseball bat out at him and, and take a whack at him at any moment? Most husbands are not worried about that. Uh, but harm can come in a lot of different ways. If you're married, you know exactly what that looks like. Uh, harm can come through a biting comment. It can come from a lack of respect for the man. It can come from a lack of affirmation of the good things that he's doing that are sometimes not acknowledged. Now, I know it works both ways. I'm not saying it's not. Um, but I will tell you this, and I can, this, I can tell you from the man's perspective and, uh, having been married now 16 years, um, when you're in a relationship in a marriage and the man looks at the wife and says, you know what? She is so supportive and she, she is so encouraging and she's so understanding and um, and we're we're together on this, right? We're doing life together, and things are going well. And I can fully trust her. I will tell you this: when when husbands look at wives that way, the, the husband will literally worship the wife in a marriage. They'll do whatever needs to happen for the wife. But when the husband is looking at the wife with suspicion, you know she kind of does me harm. I've got bitterness towards her. Um, you know what that comment that made she she doesn't apologize or like is it always my fault you know when this husband starts to look at it that way in a marriage then the husband starts to think you know is is she doing me harm you know and so um i think the proverbs 31 woman has a lot going for her she does him good not harm all the days of her life i think of lorraine when i think about this um these verses you know i have full confidence in my wife 
I have full confidence in her faithfulness, full confidence in her love for me and for our kids, uh, full confidence that we're going to just go to the grave together. And I, uh, you know, I'm fully committed to her. She's fully committed to me. And I look at her and I'm, it's not to say we don't have our ugly moments in a marriage. We all do. Right. But overall, I look at her and say she's here to do me good, not harm. Okay, and even if I think she's doing me harm, most most of the time it's not intentional. You know, when, when, after we finally talk it through, right? And so um, that's the kind of uh, confidence I have in her. And so uh, it's a beautiful thing that uh, beautiful woman. I tell I told someone the other day, uh, marry your best friend, and I married my best friend. So a second reflection on the Proverbs thirty one woman is this is a woman who cares for her household, who cares for her household. Verse 15, it says, she rises while it is still night. She provides for her family. Um, Verse 21, skip on down. She's not afraid of the cold for her home because there's clothed in scarlet. Verse 22, She makes coverings for her bed. Verse 26. She opens her mouth with wisdom and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. That's wonderful, right? This is a woman who's teaching godly wisdom, godly instruction in the home. She's not a woman who says the only time my kids see a Bible open, the only time they hear godly talk is when they come to church or youth group. This is a woman who in the home takes the initiative to say, hey, let's pray. Or, hey, you know what? Let's read the Bible. Or here, here's some godly women, and she instructs her children, and probably you know gives some wis- a lot of wisdom to her husband as well. Um, you know, they say that men have a tendency to struggle uh, with sexual sin, and that's why that's one of the specifically laid out as one of the qualifications of an elder and a deacon, that they're a one-woman wife, because men tend to struggle in that area, either in deed or in thought life. But women, it's not to say they don't, they do, but women tend to struggle more with how they use words. Whether words to bless and encourage or words that are gossip, slander, innuendo, and reputation destruction. And so um, this is a beautiful vision of the Proverbs 31 woman. She uses her words with wisdom, with godly instruction in the home. Verse 27, again, cares for her household. She watches over the affairs of her household. She doesn't eat the bread of idleness. Idleness, that's the idea of just standing still, not moving, being in sin. First Timothy chapter 5, uh, Paul tells Timothy at the women at Ephesus, he says, Timothy, encourage the women not to be busybodies, to be in idleness, and the, because they become gossips. So the idea there that um, there might have been some women at Ephesus who were sitting around all day long, had nothing to do, nothing, not doing anything productive, and were just basically um, watching soap operas, you know, all day long, or whatever that version was back then. And it led to idleness. Verse 28, this is a woman who in her household, her children rise up, call her blessed, and her husband also praises her. 
And so this is a woman who cares for her household. She look at her home. It's not perfect. Sometimes there's clothes on the floor, dishes in the sink and so forth. But overall, this is a godly home. And when you see that, you should commend that. Um, you know, when I think of this, I think of, um, of Jen Chamberlain. You know, she has five kids. And, you know, it's not to say it's all peace 24-7 in the Chamberlain home. We're not saying that, okay? Just like it's not peace in my home 24-7. Um, but this is a woman who cares deeply for her home and her household. She homeschools. She, um, you know, she uh, uh, teaches them um, the Bible. And uh, it's hard to run a, a home of five children and care for her household and she does it well and she honors Mike. And so um, she, and again, she's not the only one I'm saying, you know, there's no, I'm not saying there's no other women. I'm just pointing out one example there. Um, a third reflection. Oh, you know, before I move on, last thing on this um, cares for the household. Um, the children, Actually, let's move on. Yeah. I'll give you a break. Uh, number three, a third aspect of the Proverbs 31 woman is that she's, after she's taken care of her home, she's a part-time worker. She works hard, and she's a fruitful worker. She um, takes care of her home, but she also has a side business. Now, it is not to say that uh, a godly woman, by definition, needs to have a part-time job. That's not what this passage is talking about. This woman took care of her husband. She took care of her life. She took care of her children. But she was also industrious. She was hardworking. She was smart. And so she would deal in, largely in clothing or plant a vineyard, it says in this passage. And so this is the type of woman where you look at her and say, man, she's, she's smart as a whip. And her husband's very fortunate because she really has um, a sharp mind and the home prospers because of it. It says in verse 13, she deals in wool and flax. Verse 16, she considers a field and buys it. Uh, she earns, she, she, she buys a field and she plants a vineyard. Verse 18 uh, she, she sees that her merchandise, the, the, her business dealings are profitable. She works late into the night. Her lamp does not go out, verse 13. Um, tr uh, verse 24, her linen, she makes linen garments and purple, sells them. Purple garments were a sign that you had you know, money because purple was a very hard color to manufacture. And so um, that's why, like Lydia in Acts 16, she was a deal of purple garments that we knew that Lydia was like from, I think, the Galatian region, uh, modern-day Turkey. And so she was a successful businesswoman because she's dealing in purple garments as well as, um, uh, as, well as this Proverbs 31 woman. And so she was a part-time hard worker, and uh, she took care of her family. <coughs> And, you know, when Lorraine and I first got married, um, you know, I, as, as I mentioned before, I passed through this church in downtown Long Beach from 2004 to 2013. And for most of that time, those nine and a half years, with the exception of the last year and a half to two years of that nine and a half years, 
for most all the other years during that time, uh, I was making about fifteen hundred dollars a month from the church. And so I was doing that, you know, we were a poor church, couldn't afford much. And then I was working two part-time jobs and, um, and partly because of that, you know, Lorraine was working and we got married, we were both working. Right. And then we had Darcy in 2007, Keen in 2009. And, you know, we talked about this a lot and we said, you know, um, I, I, I told Lorraine, I really feel that I need to be in downtown Long Beach. I know it's really hard on us and the marriage and, and the kids, and you're working more than we would want. Um, but I really feel we're supposed to be here. And, you know, most women would have been like, there's no way. There's no way. I'm going to give this like two more months, okay, and then we're out of here. But Lorraine, uh, she was there, and she goes, okay, I'll follow your lead. And But it was, it was difficult. And, um, you know, I was... Um, Mr. Dad for a couple years. And so I kind of had the kids, uh, Darcy and Keen, uh, for the first few years. And I would watch them all day long for about three days out of the week, uh, three and a half days. Lorraine would come home. She's working, um, you know, from home a couple days. And then she was able to scale back over the years. And when Ethan was born in 2012, uh, she went like one day a week or it was somewhere around there working from home or one day out of the home. And then we soon after just dropped uh, her work and we just took a step of faith. And then, you know, she started homeschooling and so forth um, a little bit before that. And um, around that time. And, and uh, oh, I say that because it, would n- it was never our goal to have Lorraine working and me watching the kids in those early years for those first couple years. Um, it was kind of, we said, an extenuating circumstance. And I say that because our goal in this marriage had always been to have her home with the children, especially in the younger years. I feel it's critical when the children are in elementary school that the mother is there. And um, it is not to say a mom can't have a part-time job. We are not saying that. What we are saying, though, is this whole idea of women who are mothers who have small children and they are off to work five days a week um, is not ideal. And sometimes families find themselves in that place, finances whatsoever. You know, I'm not going to judge every individual situation. However, what I will say is that it should be the goal of a couple to make it to where the woman can be home with the children, especially when children are at a young age. I think it's better for the children. God blesses that. And there's a thousand ways God can provide for a family when they make those kinds of choices. And so, um, yeah, when I think of, of that, um, I think of um, someone like Cynthia, who is um, largely at home with her, her children pretty much uh, every day. Um, she has this part-time job, floral arrangements. She likes it as um, kind of a hobby for the beauty of it, but she also works hard at that. Before that, she was doing uh, preschool, I think, for the children for many years um, to kind of earn money for the Tsushima's. And Cynthia's a hard worker. She's a fruitful worker, and uh, she makes Garen look good um, a lot of times as well. Uh, just like Lorraine makes me look good more than I should, I think, a lot of times. And I think that's ideal. You know, this, this Proverbs 31 woman who had a part-time job, okay, you could tell she's taking care of her marriage, taking care of her home, taking care of herself. But then she had this part-time job where she was, she was doing it on the side. Um, women in the workplace can 
excel far beyond men. There's a lot of women who are smarter than men in the workplace. There's a lot of women that earn more money than men in the workplace. And so the question of the ability of women to perform in the workplace is not in question. But there is something to be said that the workplace can be a very brutal um, culture. It can be a place of con- like drastic competition, of gossip, of that, such a fixation on money and success and competition that um, generally it may not be the best long-term solution for women with children to be exposed to that and to ask themselves a question, if I was to devote myself to my children, if I have children, um, where would the eternal fruit be? So, um, and if any of you wouldn't want to talk about that later, we can. Okay. <laughs> All right. Number, f- uh, number four, the Proverbs for, 31 woman cares for the poor. She cares for the poor. In verse 20, it says that she opens her hand to the poor. She reaches out her hands to the needy. Uh, This is a woman who cares for the orphan and the widow. This is a woman who cares for the stranger and the foreigner. This is a woman who cares for the outcast. And she opens her arms to the poor and extends her hand to the needy. Um, Men tend to be focused on uh, success and recognition and the accumulation of things. Not to say women don't struggle with some of those things. But women tend to be more relational than men. We can all agree on that one. Men tend to be driven by success and uh, recognition and getting stuff. But women tend to be far more relational and far more compassionate in how they deal with people than men as a whole. And um, I think that our society would not... It, it would not survive, it would not thrive, and it wouldn't even exist, to be honest, without the compassion of women uh, treating others. They say that if a society is to survive, one of the things that you look at is how that society treats the most vulnerable among them, how it cares for the most needy among them. And women really lead the way in many ways for that. Um, when I think about this in our community, I think of Anita here. And I think of, um, you know, she and Norm were in North Long Beach for many, many years. And this is before I knew Anita. And, um, you know, I li- I've lived in Long Beach since 2006. I did a church, obviously, in downtown for a long time. That west side of Long Beach, I was on the south end. They were on the north end in North Long Beach, is a rough and tumble area, okay? And um, and especially, I know North Long Beach as well. I used to substitute teach at Jordan High School, so I know that area. And uh, they were in youth ministry for many years. And you can just tell, obviously, Norm, but it needed to how much they cared and care for the young people in that area, some of which are still part of our church to this day. And um, I look at that and her loyalty to those who um, come from very broken households and who haven't had much and just the 
the the presence of being there for people over the long haul and being loyal to them and um, caring for them is just a beautiful thing in a native's life. And I think it's to be commended as a proverb 31 woman, especially uh, in this area. And so uh, number five, last reflection for today. This is a Proverbs 31 woman who fears the Lord, fears the Lord. In verse 30, it says, this is a woman who fears the Lord and is to be praised, who fears the Lord and is to be praised. Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Um, elsewhere in scripture, it says that, um, that women who respect their husbands in Ephesians 5 and women who are uh, not of outward beauty primarily, but uh, have inner beauty and the disposition of, an, of uh, a beautiful heart and the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, this is what it means to fear the Lord. Um, and this is a woman who says, we're going to hold up God's word in our home. This is a woman who says that, um, as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord like the paddles that we, that we, uh, that symbolize that. This is a woman who says, um, I want my children to profess Christ and I want to provide an example for them that I myself am going to finish the race well for them. And I want them to grow up knowing the Lord. This is a woman who fears the Lord. And, um, and when I think about this, I think about Kathy over here as a woman who fears the Lord. Uh, she's committed to uh, the word of God. She is committed to her marriage, to uh, her children. And um, I feel like this is a woman who will fight for the Lord, who will fight for her family. And that's, that's a beautiful thing. That's an important thing, to fear the Lord in that way, right? Um, because we all fight for something. And uh, you have to choose what you're really going to care for, for, what you're really going to sacrifice for. And what you choose to value and sacrifice for is what you fear. You know? and, and I think she does that out of a reverence for the Lord. And um, that's a very, very good example for our church and for us. So, um, you know what? I know I didn't mention to many of you women. Okay, don't take it personally. If you want, I, I could, but we're going to be here for another half an hour. And so, I could have easily told, you know, chosen many others of you women um, because I know you well enough to where you have those godly characteristics. But I just wanted to point out some of the women. Um, and so make sure your husband affirms you well enough to make up that I didn't mention your name in this sermon here today. Okay. And if you disagreed with anything that I said today, um, your husband will, will talk with you. Um, and you can have a great conversation on that outside of me. So, <laughs> um, But if you liked it, then I want to hear it. Okay. So... All right, so let's end on that. Okay. Um, Father, uh, thank you for our time together in your word. Thank you for um, your godly uh, vision for godly women. Uh, we thank you for the wonderful women that we have, both married, with children or without, and uh, also unmarried, Lord. So many of these women 
shall I just, in the words of Paul in the book of Philippians, shine like stars in a dark world. And so, Lord, I pray that your grace, your goodness um, would continue to strengthen their heart. They carry many burdens in their lives, Lord, many of which the men in their life don't, aren't even aware of. And um, our households, um, the church would fall apart without them, Lord. And they don't get enough credit. They don't get enough recognition. Um, but they are faithful. They are good. They are compassionate. They're God-honoring women. And I pray that you continue to strengthen them, sanctify them, guide them, protect them, bless them, um, Lord, with prosperous, fruitful lives. And um, so that they, too, may raise up the younger women, Lord, to, to a godly example. They, too, may raise up godly children. They, too, may um, be part of marriages that uh, they can be proud of. And, um, and husbands can, and children can praise them at the city gates, Lord. And, and this would all be to your praise and glory. So thank you, Lord, for that you've made all of this possible through Christ. In so many ways, um, we stand and uh, we thank you that uh, you've chosen us and brought us to yourself. And a big part of that has been the influence of these godly women in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Let's stand together and we'll close in worship.